Hello everybody and welcome to Into the Pray, breaching the chaos of the church into our Sunday session now teaching through the last little bit of 1 Corinthians 14. We're just going to go through verses 36 to 40 today, just four short verses. And Mary sat next to me, just flicking over to Mary on the camera for those who are watching on YouTube. And Mary's here because I want us to have a conversation about what it means to be a husband and wife biblically. Um, we've had quite a few conversations, haven't we? Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. R- running up to today and just wanting to particularly talk about what um, what does it mean for a woman to su- for a wife to submit to be submissive, which is the focus of this passage. But equally, what does it mean for a husband to selflessly give himself as Christ loves the church? And we'll come to Ephesians five shortly. But um, so Mary's here. Have you got anything you want to say at the beginning? No, just welcome, and we hope that it's a really helpful conversation. Um, it's always it can be a difficult one, so yeah, we just want to present it as well as we can. Yeah, we do. So let's read the the passage, and I've got today es the ESV as our normal standard for you know the scripture that we know the translation that we normally use. But I've also got the Amplified Classic, which is a helpful parallel passage to have because it brings a, it helps understanding, I think. And there are a couple of particular bits today that that this version the amplified classic ampc helps with so i've got them both here but i'll read just in the esv and then we'll come to some four or five quick thoughts and then mary and i will just have a bit more of a conversation broadly about um our both of our perspectives mm-hmm. <laughs> on on what it means to be a christian husband and a christian wife so here we are 1 corinthians fourteen thirty six to 40 Or was it from you that the word of God came? Or are you the only ones it has reached? That was the verse we finished with last week. Verse 37. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So, my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. Sounds like a very British verse, that doesn't it? All things should be done primly and properly, decently and orderly. And that's obviously not what he means. But it's an interesting thought, just as a get-go there, that the Middle Eastern context in which this is being written, well, from at least from that ethnic Jewish perspective, from Paul and his closest friends and so on, and then, you know, in Corinth, you know, they weren't exactly known for their decency and order, were they? Um, We tend to be very willing to queue here in Britain, and, you know, if anyone steps out of line or pushes in, it's just an outrage. Whereas in France, if you're parking your car, you can just, it's just like, it's like going to the dodgems, isn't it? So there's there's different cultural um, norms, and... This is to say at the beginning here that this decency and order in verse 40 isn't a cultural norm of any nation on earth. This is this is the order of this is the order of man, isn't it? This is the Genesis, um, the way that God has ordained men and women, the church, the home, the world to be. And he's made it in a certain way that transcends nations and individual cultures but I want to just bring four four or five short thoughts here and then as I say we'll come to our conversation as a husband and wife I was going to call it a spousal conversation there but there's absolutely no need to 
<laughs> to confuse it, was there? Yeah. Right. So verse one, um, first, so verse point is that there's a command here in verse, um, at the beginning of that passage there, you see Paul talks about the command in verse, back end of thir- verse 37, the things I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. And you'll remember if you, I remember it's ages ago now, but back in chapter seven, Paul addressing the issue of marriage, principles for marriage, that kind of thing. In verse 25, Paul says, now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment and so on and so forth. So it's worth just making a a note there of a cross-reference to chapter 7 and that little bit there to do with the unmarried and the widowed. But there are a number of different times, not just in this letter, but in in other letters as a whole where Paul talks in those terms where he essentially, Paul's, Paul's rank is not the right way of putting it, but he he exercises his spiritual authority, his apostolic authority, and hopefully we'll try and keep our our minds on track today to talk about that. Um, so this is a command. What he's, what we've been going through and thinking about in the last few weeks is the gift of tongues, particularly, and the gift of prophecy, particularly, and how they should be both eagerly desired and then used, exercised in a way that is glorifying to God through the prescribed order. And you'll remember from last week, we looked at verse 27, I think it was, where Paul says specifically that in terms of speaking in tongues, there should be two or three, only two or three at most in verse 27. So this is the order of things. And there are commands here that we need to recognize. I'll come to one of my main points in a minute about that. So the the, the converse reality here is is the second point here is to do with disorder. And all I want to say quickly is looking at verse the end of verse 40, which is, this is essentially a, con- a conclusion of the last three or four sessions. But all things should be done with regard to decency and, and propriety. That's, this is the amplified now. Um, and in and an orderly fashion. So I want to just say that, that disorder, which is obviously the opposite of order, can be through charismatic expression. There can be charismatic forms of this disorder, but there can also be, um, what's the opposite of charismatic? I suppose you'd say conservative versions of this disorder. I want to say that disorder can be lively chaos and it can be dead rigor mortis. You know, I've given little insights and we each of us listening to this will have different points of reference. Mary, you'll have some yourself from churches that you've been to and so on, you know, where you might have even had, had a band. There may have even been a drum kit, but is there the life of the spirit or is it just a kind of going through the motions? So there's, there's, there is a spectrum here. You know, we, 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 we're talking, we have talked and we'll continue to talk about the fact that the denominational spectrum isn't a spectrum because it's a maze it's, it's, and it's much more a maze than it is a spectrum. But there are spectrums of things in in the church in in other more nuanced ways and this is one of them i would say where you have a spectrum of diff- of the way that this disorder uh is expressed or what, what form it takes you know so um so i don't want people to think of disorder just as in the case here in corinth which was clearly that there were wives who weren't submitted to their husbands they were trying to essentially usurp apostolic authority, you know, they're disregarding apostolic authority. And we know that that happened with Paul before, because in the case 
Um, what chapter was that? I can't quite remember. You can find it. But where Paul was talking about um, receiving gifts and um, working with his own hands and not, you know, the, his apostolic authority was being challenged. And that was, that's what was going on here in Corinth. There was a there was a kind of a, a disorder of excess, put it that way. But in other contexts, it's 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 disorderly and no less so. But it just takes a different form. You know, I've been in churches where um, I'm thinking of the time where we were in, it doesn't matter which church, but there was just some brilliant teaching, really quality teaching um, to do with doctrine, I think. And at the end of it, I was just like, this is this is solid. It's brilliant. And then they went into a song and the song was just like, it was beautifully done, musically, very high quality. But it was just like, Musicians were just reading their notes, reading, reading the music. People were looking at their watch. Sounded good, but you could tell people just wanted to get out of there. You know, and it's like that's disorder. That is disorder in a different way because, well, I think because of submission. And we're, we're talking about submission between, uh, you know, husbands and wives today. But ultimately, all of this is pointing to our submission to, who, to God on the personal level of our discipleship. And I think when there are these different disorders, whether of excess or neglect, you know, you, we talk about quenching the Holy Spirit or whatever. Um, essentially, there's a submission problem, and the submission isn't first and foremost between a wife and a husband in the home, or spilled out into the church. It's first and foremost between individual disciples and God Himself. I think I think that's really important. To say, so there's a command here. We need to recognize there's a, there's a command, an apostolic command that Paul was exercising for the Corinthians to bring order and propriety. And it's no less a command for us today. If we think it is, we've not understood the Bible. It's a command for us today. We are commanded. Disorder can be lively, chaos, and it can be dead rigor mortis. Both are disorderly and against God's order. Thirdly, Paul's shift from wives to anyone. Look at verse 38. You'll notice just before that he'd been talking specifically regarding Christian wives in this church in Corinth. Um, Let me just pull up the actual text because I've only got a a short excerpt here. Um, Let me just see if I can find it. Where is it? So he's talking through verse 26 through to where we are now in verse 36. And in verse 34, he says that women should keep silent. Okay, so he's talking to we know that he's talking to Christian wives because in the following verse in verse 35, is there anything they desire to learn? That's Christian wives. Let them ask their husbands at home. Okay, and then look what happens in verse 37. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet. So the, the, the attention here shifts from Paul addressing specific Christian wives and Christian to 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 embracing everybody, um, which I think is again it's significant because this this issue of of the order of God, the way that God has made men and women differently, and that spiritual authority relates to those differences affects everyone, and everyone has some form of responsibility within that. And I hope we can talk about that now, just then, but. So in so there you go in verse thirty eight he's talking this is this is involves all of us it affects all of us we all have responsibility if anyone thinks sorry if anyone disregards or does not recognize that this is a command of the Lord look at what it says in the amplified he is disregarded and not recognized 
I want to come back to that in just a second. And then in verse 38, he shifts again to back to brothers. So in, in verse 30, if anyone does not recognize this, and then verse 30, you know, so my brothers. So again, you see this shifting. Paul doesn't ultimately, there, there are different accountabilities here. I think that's what I'm trying to say, where Paul then doesn't address everybody by saying, so everybody earnestly desire to prophesy. He's he's talking to the into the context where men are supposed to be speaking and there should be submission and so on. So anyway, um, and then finally, I want to say the, about the full implication of this passage. Um, just looking specifically at the AMPC here in verse 38, in the ESV, if anyone does not recognize as he is not recognized, what does that mean? Well, in verse 38 of the AMPC, listen to this, it says, but if anyone disregards or does not recognize that this is a command of the Lord. So Paul, Paul's saying, if, if you guys don't recognize that what I'm saying here isn't me saying it, if you don't recognize that this is the, the resurrected Jesus, the Lord of glory saying this, there's a, there's a consequence for that. And the, and the consequence is that the person who disregards that is himself disregarded. And look what it says in the Amplified. He is disregarded and not recognized. He is one whom God knows not. We have to, we have to give due time to these individual verses because they carry such weighty, implications and consequences all the while our default mode isn't it mm. is just to do what we want because it suits us better it suits our individual preferences better Matthew seven twenty three. do you remember what the most frightening verse in, in the bible Matthew seven twenty three. and then I will say to them openly publicly I never knew you depart from me you you who act wickedly and this is the Amplified, disregarding my commandments, my with capital M, this is Jesus speaking, obviously, disregarding my commands. So, that, so that this getting this wrong, and this is where, Mary, this is where we can have the conversation now mm. with, with the two of us, you know, where, where we get this wrong, well, the, the Bible is very clear here, isn't it? I know we've had conversations about this, and I've, I've kind of lost track a little bit of the conversations that we have had mm-hmm. about it um, over this series and in other podcasts and so on. But uh, it warrants it warrants being repeated. This 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 focus on mm-hmm. the disorder. This is not just like again. It's not just oh, we're a bit uncouth in church. We're a little bit kind of a bit too casual, a bit yeah. too informal, or in some cases a bit too formal. This is ultimately it's an issue of honouring God, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's, ultimately it's an issue of obey, obedience. And, so, and it goes back to what I was saying a minute ago, obedience. It goes back to our individual submission to him. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have disorderly homes, disorderly marriages, dis- disorderly churches as we've experienced... Um, there is a submission issue between those people involved mm-hmm. and God Himself. It's not even first and foremost in marriages. So uh, let's let's talk about what does it look like to model a godly, a biblical marriage in respect of submissiveness and self selflessness. And the way we're going to do this today is to speak. I'm going to speak about my experience of being in a marriage with with Mary with 
beautiful Mary whose leg I'm squeezing. Um, and to, and to be able to talk about the the element of what is it what's it like to be married where there is submissiveness where I what's my perspective and Mary will also then talk about um well the other half of the equation yeah. mm-hmm. um is there anything you want you want to say that I've missed so far not so far no no right so in the, in the, we're going to talk about um from those two perspectives and. We, as I've as I've alluded to, that in the home and in the church, there's a common loophole in it. Do you want to just talk about that, sweet? Because people need to hear you more than me. Mm-hmm. The, there's a common loophole that opposes God's order of man, and um, I think most people understand what we mean by the order of man. But this whole thing of um, Adam and Eve and Eve being created well, as, well, a hel- yeah. as a helper, and, and so I think I think it's it's important to start with that because actually that's the basis for. Um, the order that Paul is speaking about in First Corinthians and throughout the New Testament, that, that that is an unchanging reality where we have been given, through creation, we've been given um, an yeah. order. Mm-hmm. God has intended the woman, the wife, to be the helper of the man. And that reality has not changed mm-hmm. Um in, in terms of the New Testament reality, I think sometimes people want to jump and make a difference between, well, we now exist in this this new reality that's different from the Old Testament. And, mm-hmm. and yet when you read, if you're really careful to read this book in particular, Paul is very clear that he is basing his understanding of the roles here on the created order that God has put in place. Mm-hmm. So again, this isn't Paul imposing something on people he is reiterating the order that God has placed mm-hmm. on on family initially on mm-hmm. and then that should spill into wide the wider church context yeah and this this common loophole that I've just mentioned what is that <laughs> no, I'm trying to remember what we were saying about <laughs> well okay well the loophole is essentially and it comes in different often with different scripture as a backup, some kind of, you know, people aren't stupid mm. enough to just think they can change something as fundamental as this without some some kind of theological gymnastic. Mm. And it is, you know, um, I wonder how many of the churches today commonly we see, um, I would say the most common loophole would be a senior leader, a male senior leader, and then, uh, you know, an associate mm. female pastor. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, and the get out clause would be, you know, the get out of jail card is, well, whoever the woman is, is submitted ultimately to the senior leadership mm-hmm. of the man. But yeah. but that's not addressing the issue here, which is one of spiritual authority mm-hmm. of a woman over a man. And as you're saying it, that's a genesis issue. It's it's a created order issue, which doesn't change. And the, on, on the point about whether it's a created order issue or a culturally, um, in, in um, a culturally determined issue you know there's you have you have to recognize scholarly work on this you know and we've we've put i'll try and dig out for the show notes for this episode as well a a chap benjamin merkel i think his name is um who's done a great work and that's really to refute the the theological point i think it's from galatians where you know the the classic verse where people want to have associate female pastors Mm -hmm. or women teaching men or whatever is that you know there's now in Christ. There's now there is no slave nor free. There's no male or female. There's no, you know, 
we're very, I think we're very careless with that verse because if you read about the context, if I'm correct, that is a, a salvation passage, I think. You know, and it, we quite often just like to pull mm-hmm. that verse out of its context and then just drop it in alongside this context and say, well, here, this is what Paul says. He says here that there should be no difference. And of course, <clears throat> in one sense, there is no difference. But Paul has, in various places throughout the New Testament, has spoken very clearly into this issue of roles and mm-hmm. the importance of that. So we just, you know, you have to, you have to be really careful when it comes to this topic about not just taking something from somewhere else in the Bible because you like the idea of it and mm-hmm. placing it somewhere else. We're just not allowed to do that. No. No. And on that, I want to make this point very clearly, is that I, I want to know for people who have this different um, belief, I was going to say conviction, but, you know, about we've talked about egalitarianism before and complementarianism before and so on but so so this work of benjamin merkel which picking up on your point there about the galatians passage you know we ha- you have to do work on that and th- yeah. and thankfully people people have done work on that mm-hmm. and have produced scholarly work and again we'll link that so that people can go ahead and read that um but my my point is particularly particularly in yeah in in our culture in in great britain and the woke culture, particularly, you know, younger people, like I'm 42, your birthday is on Tuesday. <laughs> um, you know, we're we're of a generation, we're older than, you know, young people now who are coming through into positions of leadership in the church. And I just wonder, you know, and this is my question for it's not just for younger people, of course, it's for others, you know, seniors, people mm-hmm. as well. You know, to what extent is your belief about what the Bible teaches about something as massively important as this? To what extent is it is it based on solid theological study mm-hmm. or is it more to do with a handed over, you know, Tradition. something you've received mm-hmm. from your parents, perhaps from the Bible college that are, yeah. that are you know, who are missing the mark, that kind of thing. And it's embedded. And I I just want to, you know, I want people to think about that Mm -hmm. because we're talking about the Garden of Eden. (laughs) Mm -hmm. We're talking about Adam being made first. We're talking about Eve being made. And the word the Bible uses is helper. Mm -hmm. And maybe we can talk about that word because that will, for some women... Be difficult. It will it will make their skin crawl. And for some (laughs) men, it will probably make their skin crawl. I don't want any, I don't need any any help. What are you talking about? I'm a helper. What a, what a, what a patronising, mm. you know, there's, there's, a, there's this range again. So um, so we have to have you guys listening. And, and if you're in a position, I would say this particularly, going back to what I was saying about my, my fourth point about the implications of this, and, mm. and I didn't say it very clearly, but I'll say it very clearly here. At the very least, people who are disregarding what Paul says here, disregarding the at the very least... People are on very dangerous ground at the very least. Mm-hmm. And that's that's clear from this passage. And I want to say that if you're in a position of leadership as a woman, if you teach men, if you have authority over men, if you if you think that's normative, if you think that's faithful to scripture, and if you've got men over you who reinforce that by inviting that, allowing that, 
I want to say to you, you're on extremely dangerous ground. And that's not because of my preference. No. I, d- I remember doing some stuff with David Robertson not so long ago on on uh, this kind of issue. And he was like, you know, by nature, he's he's much more feminist. Mm-hmm. He would much more rather there be a, yeah. a sense of a different weighting in scripture. But he has to submit to he, he's not going to bend because of his cultural or his personal mm-hmm. preference. So you're if you guys are kind of flouting this clear command, you're you're in very dangerous territory. And do you know what? When you stand before Jesus, it doesn't matter you're not going to say, well, I had a senior leader who thought that was right as well. It's like, or I went to Bible college and that's just what they taught me. Like you have responsibility before God on a personal level to read scripture mm-hmm. and to be faithful to what it's saying, irrespective of what that may mean for your life on the earth. We're not, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think... um <sighs> I think it is hard because it is an issue that causes, like you're saying, people and different, you know, men and women differently feel very different about this, this thing. But I think ultimately when we're starting and as we're reading this passage, it, and we'll come to this in a bit Mm. more detail, but ultimately it's about, it's not about you or your husband or your wife or whatever, it's about Jesus. So when we're reading these things, we've got to think at the forefront of it, this is, Jesus that we're submitting to not a person mm-hmm. it's Jesus and that and I think that helps to make the passage feel much more accessible mm-hmm. and easier to think about and importantly what is actually about mm-hmm. it's not primarily about a cultural construct or your marriage necessarily it's about Jesus so I think if we have that as the mm-hmm. foundation I think that helps just briefly because uh, w- this will go into a long session but well, why we're entitling this is um silencing demonic disorder is because this is demonic Mm -hmm. something is majorly significant to god's created order which is um how he wants his the government and that's what we're talking about the government governance of his people you know spiritual authority and so on uh and in the home and in the church you know that's that being tampered with to the point where it's normal for it Mm -hmm. just to be tampered with is nobody bats an eyelid if it's if it's one way in another church just go to another church let me say to you guys We've we've had to repent yeah. about mm-hmm. being in a church where they've had where they had female elders. We've had to repent about that in recent the last few years. We ourselves, as recently as say three years ago, were of a were of a state of mind where something can be as glaringly obvious, obviously out of order, disordered, um, and you kind of just allow it to. Well, I don't know. We're not going to make a podcast, or maybe we'll do a podcast on that specific issue. But it's just to make the point. This is all. This all falls into the category of look behind Mary's shoulder, repent. You know, this is our. This is our. God is disrupting His people, which mm-hmm. means repent now isn't just a, a salvation issue, although it is, of course. It's also for all of us who have grown up in a culture where this kind of stuff is just normalized. It's normative to have gone to a church. They've got female elders. Oh. And not think any more about it. Mm-hmm. We have to repent where we have disobeyed the word of God. And it's as simple as that. So just a couple of summary points and then we'll go into these two, these two big perspectives. This, Paul is saying that this all begins in the home and is commonly reflected in the churches, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and again, talking of the demonic disorder of this, we've experienced this firsthand. So we have extensive... We ha- Mary and I have extensive and very costly experience 
with this. I'm thinking of our mm-hmm. year, year in London particularly, um, where the disorder was, and I've written an article on this, this is where the the phrase the death and dearth of spiritual authority comes from, and I've I've given testimony about that, fearing God and not fearing man, because I knew that, well... It, it may have upset people what I wrote there, but again, I'm not fearing man, I'm fearing God. And I think we've been given insight into this through mm-hmm. those experiences. They're not; These haven't been random experiences. Mary and I, when we started off in our, in our married life in 2013, so nearly 10 years ago, um, you know, we had a baptism of fire, didn't we? Mm-hmm. You know, it was it was just like, talk about being thrown into the deep end. And so to, to have this experience is, you know, we can talk from experience is what I'm saying. Um, when marriages are disordered in private, listen to this carefully. When marriages are disordered in private, churches will be disordered in public. Mm-hmm. Even if there is peace, 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 everybody's chatting about peace, everybody's loving the new website and loving the new logo, loving all the courses that we put on, loving the fact we've just upgraded our coffee bar to include a Starbucks franchise. We've got various different options of coffee. When marriages are disordered in private, churches will be disordered spiritually in public. It's, we're talking about spiritual disorder, demonic interruption in the way that God has made spiritual authority to work and to be a blessing. Mm-hmm. God isn't a chauvinist. He's loving. He's perfect in his wisdom. And when his ways and his order touches our sensibilities and we have this reaction... We're not supposed to. We're not supposed to reflect so much on God as ourselves. Mm-hmm. So when marriages are disordered in private, churches will be disordered in public. This isn't only for married couples to hear. This is vital preparation for becoming married and choosing a spouse. If you're single, listening to us, Paul's command, as I've said, is apostolic and authoritative, meaning that just as Old Testament prophets were literally word for word speaking as God, New Testament apostolic authority, as we as I've commented, Paul's commanding. Jesus is commanding. New, New, New Testament apostolic authority is parallel. And as such, Paul is exercising that authority. On that point, Wayne Grudem's book, Prophecy in the New Testament, is very important because he talks about that mm-hmm. reality of the prophets of, say, like Jeremiah and Isaiah and whoever else. When they spoke, they're not saying, I think the Lord is saying something like, in a sense in which, thus says the Lord. This is the literal word for word, word of the Lord. Whereas in the New Testament, the parallel of that is apostolic authority, Paul, Peter, John, et al., who had a level of authority that's called apostolic, beyond merely prophetic. And we we should understand those two, the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles, as being parallel. And I think you need to read about that, you need to understand that, because, again, that informs directly mm-hmm. how we read the Bible. Mm-hmm. It, it informs directly how we read, you know, isolated verses in Galatians. Um. So let's go on to these two things and so hear from more from Mary now. Firstly, redeeming servant selflessness. This is the Christian husband. Mm-hmm. And we're summarizing as a redeeming servant, selfless servant or redeeming servant selflessness. Mm-hmm. And then I'll speak in a bit about Christian wives, um, my experience of having a Christian wife of respectful, cherishing, submissiveness, and how these two... So it's your perspective, Mary, you pick up on redeeming servant selflessness and 
what that because that's how you know that's what we've done in the last few days we've talked around what does it yeah. mean what does, what does it, it mean like? mm-hmm. you know Paul is silencing as we've said here Paul isn't just silencing women he's silencing disorder mm-hmm. yeah. manifested in unruly women who weren't submitted to their husbands mm-hmm. in the home creating all of this havoc mm-hmm. but he's also s- silencing other people who were you know disregarding his his yeah. standard on sp- the number of people speaking yeah. in tongues or in prophecy or whatever so do you want to speak into this yeah so as we've been thinking about this over the last few days, I I think it's helpful to look at Ephesians 5 as well because that gives a bit more detail, I think, into um, this passage. And I think it's an important thing to do whenever you read a passage like this in Scripture is to go, where else can you read about the same thing and, and kind of study it a bit and think really think about what that looks like. But um, thinking about husbands like what would the role of the husband be in light of the parallel that's Mm. drawn with Jesus and the church and it's not always an easy one to define we've spent a while talking about it because I think well let's pull it up and do that because people may have never heard this so Ephesians 5 is a go-to passage what what does it say so it says wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church his body and is himself its saviour Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies, He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Yeah, that's so that's Ephesians 5 verse 22 to the end of the chapter. Pivotally, foundationally important passage. And just picking up, sorry to interrupt you, but just that bit there. This, verse 32 of Ephesians 5. This mystery is profound and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. So th- this is this is where John Piper will call marriage a parable of permanence. It's Mm. a copy of the original. The marriage on earth, you can see, is pointing to the ultimate eternal reality of Christ and the church, Christ and his bride. Mm -hmm. This is why this is so important. And I I think this is a helpful passage to look at um, as we were thinking specifically about what does it mean to be a Christian husband in the way that Paul is highlighting here. And I think first off, I think if you look at the weighting of these passages as well, the weighting for the responsibility of men is much higher than it is for what women are asked Mm. to do. So we've said at the beginning, which would you prefer to be, male or female, in this role? Because actually men have, I would say, a much harder time. And what you are being asked to do as a man is actually a lot more, I would say, reading these passages. Um, But first of all, thinking about this... um, I would say it's important to recognise that men have a spiritual authority in the home that they they have as a responsibility whether they want to take it on or not. And this was part of the created order that we've 
kind of mentioned in relation to Genesis as well, the way that God intended um, for that order to be, mm-hmm. that the man would lead spiritually and the woman would help. So it's not saying that men have all responsibility. It's just saying that that is the order that has been created. Mm-hmm. And reflecting on the demonic disruption, mm-hmm. when Satan came in, he went straight to the woman to get the woman to take on yeah. an authoritative role. Yeah. So there's that um, disruption that has ha- that happened in Genesis, which is the same disruption that Satan would like to cause now. It's reordering God's order. And again, this is a word of warning to women who have leanings that way. Yeah. And it has nothing, it's got nothing to do with your um, skills or your natural tendencies or even your gifting. These are these are Genesis set up rules that God has put in place that we need to be aware of. Um, so the, the, the parallel here is with Jesus and the church and husbands and their wives. And it's a massive calling when you think about it, isn't mm-hmm. it? So a few practical things that we've been thinking about over the last few days. And the spiritual responsibility is, I would say, the main one. Um, and this is something that really should not be outsourced to to anybody else. This is a role that men should have within their own homes and that's reflected in the institution of elders, that their homes should be well ordered and that you shouldn't be looking to church leaders, other men, anybody else mm. to do this or your wife. You shouldn't be asking your wife to lead the spiritual direction of your home. Yeah, there's an interesting side point here, which is that um, women, if women in church, for example, submit in a way to the teaching of a man as an elder, but are not not doing that with her husband at home you're going to have chaos yeah mm-hmm. yeah um and obviously yeah on that it's it's impossible without submissive submissiveness in the home like if if both in the marriage are not recognizing this and there's this role reversal or dominance from women or just this um, disruption of God's design, as we've mm-hmm. already spoken about, then this actually won't be possible. So this is why mm-hmm. Paul refers to both partners in the marriage. It's got to mm-hmm. be a unitative approach. Yeah, which is also why it's not right for there to be this uh, submissiveness. Or you know, women are not expected to submit to elders at church mm-hmm. um, before their husbands. Yeah, and am I saying this the right way around? And um, just I'm just trying to make sure I cover it from both angles yeah. so that um, women are not expected to submit to men in the church in the same way that they're expected to submit to their husbands mm-hmm. at home. And that's really important as well. It is. And, and I think Paul addresses that in does. that passage. He says submit to your own husband. So you're not being asked to, for example, if somebody else is saying something incorrect just because they're a man, you then shouldn't submit to them. No, it, exactly. But they should, But they should, in God's order... Be parity, shouldn't there? There should yes. be order when men who are submitted to elders uh-huh. at the church, whose wives are submitted to them, mm-hmm. there should there should you know it's when we dismiss this because it, it messes up with our preferences and our so and our cultural things. We don't plumb the depths of the glory of it. No, no, and, and we kind of just skim it off the surface as though it was something disposable and it's 
you know, that mm-hmm. because, because what I perceive in the church to be this utter death and dearth of spiritual authority, there's a glory that people will spend, you know, pass through this life and never know mm-hmm. because because it's, the, it's, to do, it's just to do with the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. The kingdom of heaven made manifest. There's nothing that's hidden unless it's made to be made manifest or secret, hidden that's not supposed to be known. And it's like in that respect, the kingdom of heaven, I think largely is just buried mm. because of this disorder mm-hmm. of God's order in the church so that we end up saying things like, well, I'm not supposed to be submitting to anyone other than my husband. And therefore, there's an attitude towards elders, mm. and it's a kind of fake submission, mm-hmm. and that breeds order, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, and as we were speaking about this, I think it's important to obviously highlight as well that rules and order are not the same thing. So, within anybody's marriage, there will be things that you know you don't have to do certain things just because you're female or male Mm -hmm. and that can look very different in different homes so submission doesn't mean because you're a man you have to do certain male stereotype things can we try and make this a bit more personal from so people understand how this works in our marriage do you you know what i mean yes have you got a specific example no i just want people to understand how this works because we're 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 trumpeting this this Mm. call to faithfulness to scripture which on the one hand is is submissiveness from a from the white from your perspective but it's also the selfless servanthood unto death even death on a cross to quote philippians 2 Mm -hmm. from my perspective which is why I want there to be a, a measure of appropriate transparency here so that people understand how this works. You know, and, and that's why some examples, I don't know what examples we can give. This is this is just, uh, this is not planned to the nth degree, is it? No. But it's, it's just really important, I think, for, for people to understand that you're, I don't know, that it's not just a question of you being more of a submissive type and me somehow being more of a, I don't know. No, I mean, for example, talking about spiritual leadership, that is something that comes very naturally to you in our marriage, that you don't struggle to to carry that responsibility or to initiate with that. So that that is something that I would say um, is reflected very naturally through you in our marriage. Um, and that actually, f- for me, is really important and really helpful. So as a woman, I appreciate that you do that in the way that you do. Um, And, you know, that would be, I think, an example of how that works in our marriage. Um, Okay, there's probably more to say on that, but, like, this thing about you were saying about roles in the same order of things, let's give some examples there. Yeah, so, for example, if you, you know, there's no specific rules around who should do cooking or <laughs> cleaning or any of those types of or financial things or anything related to the way that your marriage has to work. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, because you're a woman or a man, you don't then need to be doing something specific yeah. based on your gender. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, what we're talking about is stereotypes versus... Order. La- last week, the, the, the takeaway point is we're talking about socio-constructs Mm-hmm. and theological realities that marriage is a theological reality not a sociological construct and when we treat it as such so that that's what we're saying mm-hmm. here isn't it that, yeah you know mm-hmm. we're trying to be faithful to a bible not to a manual it, from the 1950s ex- exactly yes so our 
our plumb line for everything always has to be the Bible and scripture. Like when you go back to it, you have to be able to build everything off of what Jesus says in his word and and really study it, you know, know what we're saying about it. Um, so I, th- I think, um, yeah, again, going back to the Ephesians 5, um, we see in that piece of scripture that Jesus presents the church blameless at the end of the age. That's going to be the reality. And he has sacrificially given himself mm-hmm. in order for that to happen. Mm-hmm. That doesn't just happen by itself. Jesus has has done that. And therefore the submission mm-hmm. to Jesus as Lord is easy because who wouldn't who wouldn't submit to that? Somebody who has given themselves in that way yeah. for for you you will then happily submit yourself to that person as a result of that. No, the, the exact verse you're talking about is verse 26 or verse 25 and 20, 26 of Ephesians. So husbands, love your wives, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, mm-hmm. which doesn't just mean, means death on a cross. It does. It, it means it, the ultimate sacrifice. It means being marred beyond human likeness. That's yeah. what it means. Mm-hmm. Um, verse 26, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, verse 27, so that he Jesus might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might, might be holy and without blemish. Mm-hmm. That's the verse. Yeah, and I think thinking about that verse is helpful because if Jesus is, this is the parallel, if Jesus is presenting the church in a way that his, is blameless Mm -hmm. he's created the environment where that is possible to happen i.e sacrifice on the cross the giving of himself Mm -hmm. in a way that allows the church to enter into that and if men are meant to parallel that in a marriage i think things that can be helpful to think about is are you how do you create that environment in your marriage Mm -hmm. where your wife feels feels that feels that there is, a, as we said at the beginning, a sacrificial servant selflessness that allows a woman to feel that she can submit in that way. Mm-hmm. And how, how are you practically doing that in a marriage to allow that to happen? Yeah, and that obviously goes back to before getting choosing who you marry. Yeah, yeah. You, this is something to work out not before, before, you, before, you, before you, you get, get married. married. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, is there anything you want to say about that a bit more kind of candidly about the way that you... Because I'm, I'm going to, in a minute, just talk about how I... How, what submissiveness looks like. Mm-hmm. And at that point at which I decided I very much wanted to get married, I wanted you to be my wife and I wanted to be your husband and vice versa is... Um, you know, I'll talk a bit about that. Is there anything you want to say about the... Again, this is trying to give people a bit of insight, but if you've got nothing on your mind, and no, I just, I just think it's um, practical things. When you know that we do, we have space to be able to say things to each other that we need to say. <laughs> you know that there's room for having discussion and disagreement mm-hmm. and conversation, and that's exactly what this. Th- that needs to look like like if if you feel if I felt fearful or worried or uncomfortable being able to speak to you about anything Mm -hmm. that's that doesn't create the kind of submissive 
sacrificial marriage that Paul is trying to portray here. Yeah, it it would be unfaithful to scripture for you to be submissive to to me if I was creating an environment where, say, say, you know, because I think this is a common scenario in marriages where one half of the of of the marriage one half one spouse doesn't feel comfortable to be honest with the other because for fear of the reaction yeah that's not and if that's if that's being if that's being allowed by the man by the husband in one sense you wouldn't it's not legitimate to to expect submission of course not because it's not godly no and there are subtle there are small subtle things often that are profoundly ungodly that we tend to just be a bit more kind of like well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks about, you mm. know. But if there is that, and I think that's a common thing, yeah. you know, like getting to a point in marriage where it's like you're on, you're unwilling as a wife to go somewhere with your husband because you know, you know, you, you're fearful of what the his response is going to be. Mm-hmm. That's not right. No. And, but the responsibility, as we've said, is with the husband. It's with the husband to yeah. make sure that never happens. Exactly. It's, it's awful. It is. It's it's horrendous. And of course, there are extremes of this which we're not talking about today we're just talking about you know how as you as a husband how are you creating that environment for your wife to be in a place where she feels able to do that regardless of um regardless of the situation or whatever it is you know like you are the one that if Jesus in the church is the parallel how are you taking that on board and bringing that into your marriage and obviously the you know, Jesus' example is nothing to do with being authoritarian or anything like that. It is mm-hmm. quite the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if we could just say a bit more before I go on to my bit about this issue of um, the, when you study these passages, particularly Ephesians 5, which is the, is, is the kind of, you know, when there's a problem with submission um, in the church... So chaos in the church. Mm. Often it's because there's a, there's a problem of submission in the home, which often means there's a problem in people's relationships with God. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, and sometimes it might be... Not always... I think there can be not always an issue with your relationship with God. Your relationship with God might be right... But you may be in a difficult marriage, for example. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 lots of there's new... subtleties to it. Yeah, there's lots going on here. You want to say anything else? Um, no. I th- I think it's just I f- I found reading this this particular passage alongside Ephesians five very helpful because it really brings I think a lot more depth and clarity mm-hmm. to this topic, and I think it's worth repeating that what men are being asked to do is is a lot. Mm. You know, it's it's a high calling. And on that point, I think it's worth just, as we go into just a quick overview of my perspective as um, for the opposite of what you've just talked about, you've talked about husbands, I'm talking about wives, is that as a man, recognising that difference, the Ephesians 5 reality was... You know, this is over 10 years ago, obviously, now. But, you know, the weight of it directly informs who you marry. It's pivotal, foundational to everything. I think Piper says something like, most most foundationally, 
listen to this, most foundationally, marriage is the doing of God. And most ultimately, it's for the display of God. It's one of the the quotes that you should just memorize. The most foundationally, marriage is the doing of God. And most ultimately, it's for the display of God. And so that reality over 10 years ago now, and maybe this is a this is helpful particularly for people who are single who are maybe engaged or mm. thinking that they might like to be or whatever you know that has to land in your heart as a man and as a wife mm-hmm. as a as a husband yeah. and or as a wife <laughs> a man and a woman um if you're going to have a good marriage and you'll constantly be working on it that's like that's not something you just think about at yeah. the beginning of yeah. your marriage that's yeah, yeah. something that you have to engage with continually. Yeah, and that's what I was about to say is that the responsibility as you read Ephesians 5 of my responsibility to love you and cherish you and protect and provide and so on and so forth. We haven't talked about all those different nuances. What does protection and provision mean beyond the obvious things? Spiritually, mm-hmm. we didn't touch on that. That would have no. been really good to touch on. You know, the whole thing of what does it mean to provide as a husband spiritually? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to protect spiritually, rather than just thinking, oh, does a man go out and earn X number of thousands of pounds yeah. and so on? But the, this reality of, of the man talking to men, I I think about this most days, if not every day. That how is my not just my default mode with you. But how, how am I cultivating? How am I growing? Like you're saying, we don't have this all sorted out. This is not a perfect marriage we're talking from today. Mm. Um, it is a happy marriage. Let's be honest. You know, yeah. like one of the, God's greatest is a greatest he's given yeah. to us in the midst of a lot of turmoil and other ways related to the ministry that we have. But nonetheless, I don't coast and I don't ever assume. In fact, I it's the opposite that my... my um, calling the command for me to love you as Jesus loves the church is unto a a kind of death that most men don't want to go to and that you know what it's just we need to move on but I just want to leave that point that's that's something that should be in our prayers daily Mm -hmm. if not every other day you know regularly so just quickly, because we've gone on for quite a while, I want to just just talk from the... So Mary's talk there about redeeming servant selflessness. Redeeming servant selflessness as the standard for Christian husbands. And then for Christian wives, the opposite of that is respectful, cherishing submissiveness. And we've seen that in 1 Corinthians 14 in our passage today. We've seen that in Ephesians 5 and it's in other places. There's a passage in 1 Peter, I think it's 1 Peter 3... Let me just see if I can really quickly pull it up. Um, 1 Peter 3, talking about the husbands and wives and uh, likewise wives be subject to your husbands so that if some, this is a different person speaking, this is a different type of man speaking, a different personality. Likewise wives be subject to your own husbands so that if, um, even if some do not obey the word, they may be one and so on and so forth. But then it comes to... Um, Anyway, there's a passage there for you to go and look at. It would be helpful for you to look at that. Likewise, husbands, this is verse 7 of 1 Peter 3. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honour to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life so that your prayers may not be hindered. The world at large wants to argue that with that, that, that a woman is a weaker vessel and that men have specific 
responsibilities of strength. Star Wars. Mm. Watched it last night, you know. Whatever happened to Luke Skywalker? You know? <laughs> Although he was a, Anyway, you know, the, the, what I'm saying is culturally we don't agree with Peter there. We want to change the word of God. Anyway, to, to finish, I want to just say that um, I, I think that's what we were just saying a minute ago is that when I when we got together in March 20, well, no, whenever it was, March 2012 or before that, over 10 years ago, um, this 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 issue of submission um, was everything really because I knew I knew that a marriage that was going to be both happy and also fruitful, honouring of God, if if there was a constant um, disagreement or resistance mm. to this, essentially what we're talking about, which is the ultimate standard of oneness. You know the one, the one fleshness mm. of marriage. Where a, husband, a man leaves his mum and dad, and is and, and and cleaves to his wife, and there's one flesh, and so on. This issue for me was, you know, and so for for very early on, you know, I, I you know, it wouldn't have gone very far if I'd felt that we'd we didn't have the same mm-hmm. desire for that kind of yeah. marriage, or but not because we've got those kind of personality similarities but it's not about that it's about we this is what we see the word saying mm-hmm. or and, and you know what because the word says that certain things just feel right yeah i know sometimes that's because we've had certain things modeled to us by parents mm-hmm. and grandparents and mm-hmm. so on but equally you know there's something very wrong about for example a home being dominated by a woman which is a common trope is a common yeah. stereotype isn't it of you know end of the day we all know who's boss (laughs) you know it's just a common thing and it's it's, you know some of it's just a joke and you know like in-law jokes and so on and so forth but you know there's just something very wrong and again we had we had this very costly experience in london didn't we where we 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 saw great disorder and in in the home to the point where the husband for me just felt like a a sideshow it was just an irrelevance mm-hmm. you know almost a kind of not irrelevance but do you know what i mean there was something intuitively wrong about it and so i think i think i felt the rightness of just a sense of um going back to the example of those two couples in the previous episode where one was berating her husband and arguing with him publicly and the other one was celebrating mm-hmm. him you know speaking well of him cherishing him you know that i think that's that's my experience of what it means to be married to to you in in your submissiveness in that way. You know, rarely, if ever, has there ever been a time when we've ad- do, when we've disagreed about something big. That's not to say we don't dis- do disagree and we have different mm-hmm. tension points. Of course, everyone does, but and um. But there's never been a there's there isn't a regular rhythm in our marriage where I'm like I want you to submit to me on that. In fact, that's mm-hmm. never happened. No. There's a natural way that I would say the way of describing it is that you look to me, mm-hmm. and I look to God. <laughs> you know, there's there's a there's a kind of there's a sense in which I know I have responsibility mm-hmm. for us, and I know that you have that responsibility. As yeah, well. and and so th- this is never like our. Um, I remember Mark Driscoll giving a stupid example once where. He, his example of getting Grace to submit to him was he wanted her to go out and buy some clothes for her, 
for for herself. <laughs> She's like, I want you to, I want, I want you to submit to me on that and go out and buy some. But I don't, I don't, we don't really have the money. I want you to submit to me and go out and buy some clothes. I mean, it's a bit of a stupid example, but anyway, not that's not even happened. Um, <laughs> in the sense, in the sense of, there's a difference here between saying, "Hey, I want." Like that's literally never happened in our marriage. I don't think we've ever. I've ever said I want you to submit to me on this. No. Um, you know, when this order is right, when it's the way that God wants, I think He blesses the home, and I think He blesses the church. You know, when we obey in that way, and also when we recognise it's God's good, loving preference for a reason. He's not setting the Garden of Eden up randomly, and He's not setting it up with ulterior bad motives. Yeah. He He sets things up. It's worth thinking about that again. Why did God make God, sorry, why did God make Adam and Eve the way he made them? You know, and so like there's an example when we when we were in the early stages of ignorance to do with IVF and we both had an immediate, very strong unction. This We're not even, we're not even going to yeah. look at this. This mm-hmm. is just not, and we've talked publicly about that. We've done our umpteen podcasts on that. So there's an example of the way that there's a, just a oneness, that's what we're talking about. And I think, again, that's a blessing from God for that. You know, he, I think he gave that as a gift that we didn't have a struggle with that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Disrespect, people say there's, again, this is a bit of a kind of cliche, but, you know, that men want, uh, women want to be loved and men want to be respected. I think there is some truth in that. I never feel disrespected I don't think I've ever felt disrespected by you, certainly not publicly. And um, I think that's a huge part of it. In fact, that does happen. You know, if you look into those passages we looked at there, that that is a part, a big part of it to understand the importance of respect from a male perspective. Mm. Um, even outside of marriage, I'm talking about generally, I think it's very important. Yeah. There's There's a... You know, it's not like women don't want to be respected. Of course not. Of course but not, I, but yeah. there is something again in God's created mm-hmm. order where the issue of respect, I would say, is particularly central to a man feeling loved, being cherished, and so on and so mm-hmm. forth. Um, I've just written here: when it comes to spiritual authority, there is never some. It's not something that I ever feel I need to exert. It just it feels very natural. Spiritual authority, mm. you know, mm-hmm. spiritual authority for me feels like a well, as we've said, this excuse me, the the, imp- the importance, the responsibility of leading, not being neutral and and coasting. Mm-hmm. Prayer is very important with that. Praying together regularly, we try to daily. It doesn't always work like that, but again, we've we don't have any awkwardness in prayer. Um, and growing in that together, growing in in how long you pray together. Um, mm-hmm. Just maybe this will be the final thing to say, is that this thing often with submission, I remember in our marriage, on our wedding day, there were literally people scout, um, what's the word, giving me evils, you know, because mm-hmm. we use the word submit in our vows, which is, t- which is stripped out of many liturgical vows. I think we used obey. Oh, is it? I think maybe. I don't think so. I think it was submit. I think it was just around this word submit. I knew it was an important word. Obey, obey. It wasn't obey. I might be wrong, but I don't think it is. That word, by the way, comes from, I think it might be the passage in Peter, actually, where he talks about Abraham. Let me just quickly flick to it and see if I can find it. Yeah, it was. It was in 1 Peter 5. 
sorry, 1 Peter 3, 5, for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands. There's the word. But then it goes, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, that's where that comes from. But anyway, just to say this in closing, that I think the word submit particularly and obey, if you want to talk about that, it, you know, it, they're dirty words, they're mm. suspicious words, they're words that have been ruined by culture because, and this is the final thing to say, is that submission is a beautiful thing. And this is why it does go back to if you could choose whether you're a man or a woman, <laughs> if you could, you can't, um, you would be mad in one way to choose to be a man Yeah. <laughs> be- because, because of the beauty of submitting. And the picture is not of an ideal husband being submitted to by a submissive wife, but of a worshipper submitting into the security and into the safety and into the beauty and into the perfection of submission to Jesus Mm -hmm. on a cross. Someone who is God, who loves in a way that we can't understand, who has given himself to that degree. And so submission and obedience, that's the context. And our marriages, our Christian marriages, should reflect that. But it's to redeem the word submit and it's to redeem the word obey, for, particularly for, for men who are coasting and abdicating and just a bit passive and don't really, and actually would rather prefer women to take the charge in the mm. home and in the church. That's a word for men. But I would say particularly for women as well who want to exercise authority over men is that you are not only causing chaos in the home and in the church, but you're robbing yourself. Yeah of the beauty of that kind of submission to Jesus. You can't be submitted to Jesus if you're trying to usurp a spiritual authority over a man. Just in closing, closing, clothing? <laughs> Just in closing, I want to finish by reading the passage of today from 1 Corinthians 14 from the Amplified because it puts a particularly um, helpful meaning on it. Um, if I can just find it. So verse 37, this is the Amplified. If anyone thinks and claims that he is a prophet, filled with and governed by the Holy Spirit of God and inspired to interpret the divine will and purpose in preaching or teaching, it's very wordy, <laughs> but, it's, but it's very helpful. If we want to be reminded at this close of this chapter before we come into the glories of resurrection next week, I'm look, I've been looking forward to coming to chapter 15 for about a year. <laughs> um, listen to this again. This is, the, this is what the Bible is saying in an amplified version that a prophet is. Somebody filled with and governed by, we're talking about this governance of the Holy Spirit of God and inspired to interpret the divine will and purpose in preaching or teaching. Let him understand that what I'm writing to you is a command of the Lord. Now, listen to this. This is verse 38. But if anyone disregards or does not recognize that it is a command of the Lord, he is disregarded and not recognized. He is one whom God does not know. Um, that's not actually the main verse I wanted to read. Let me just see if I can find it quickly. It's really annoying because I wanted to just finish with that. Yeah, it's verse 35. Sorry, verse 35. But if but if there's anything they want to learn, this is going back to last week, they should ask their own husbands at home. This is the Corinthian wives who were just causing chaos and this is where it's demonic and silence is needed. For it is disgraceful for a woman to talk in church 
And then in, in, in the Amplified, for her to usurp and exercise authority over men in the church. This is the issue of the day, and I don't think there's anything more foundationally important to the Reformation, the disruption of the church at the minute, is this being recognised, is that it's disgraceful for a woman to usurp and exercise authority over men in the church. This is the word of God. Read it. Should we pray? Yes. Lord, we thank you for testimony that brings sanity. We thank you for a room full of testimony that brings sanity, that brings a sense of order and propriety and decency. And Lord, we, we do pray for that, for, particularly for folk listening. We start off by praying for ourselves that, that I would honour Mary in the way that you honour the church and selflessly give myself. Show me what that means. Show, show me what that means, Lord. Help me, please, to do that in a way that blesses Mary and washes her with the word in a way that is parallel, some kind of pointed to the miracle that you have washed each of us individually unto salvation. You have made us to be as white as snow. You've removed our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. This is what this is. Help me, help men listening. Please help women listening to recognize the ground on which they stand in regards to spiritual authority in the church. As regards to men, I pray you'd have your way. Convict, arrest, set us right where that needs to happen. Show us the true beauty of your order, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes, Lord, we just want to recognize your good order. The things that you have commanded that they are for are good and for our well-being and not not bad things for us. And I just simply want to pray today that you would renew our hearts in this area, recognizing that this is something that we all struggle with in one way or another, in one area, in one little place, in the church at home somewhere, Lord. I pray that you would bring renewal of understanding mm. in this area as men and as women and that you would give us a deep desire to be obedient regardless of our mm. own preferences, of our, our own leanings, of our own traditions, of our own church, anything, Lord, that you would, where we need to be brought into alignment, Lord, would you help us to do that? Yes. And we ask these things, Jesus, in your name. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well done, sweetie. It was quite long, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. I was it? Not that.